Welcome to Take Control of Your Career, where we discuss strategies to get you in the driver's seat of your career. Here's your host, Lauren Herring. Hello and welcome to Take Control of Your Career. If you're looking to level up in your career, you are in the right place. Today, we are joined by Melody Zhang, Chief Human Resources Officer at St. Michelle Wine Estates. Thank you so much for joining us, Melody. Thank you, Lauren. It's such an honor. It's wonderful to reconnect with old friends. So I'm very happy to be here. Exactly. It's so fun to have you on the show. And we've known each other for many years, originally when you were an HR manager at Anheuser-Busch. And then later, our paths crossed crossed again almost 15 years later when you joined a new company. And your team was already using my company, Impact Group's coaching services. So it was great to reconnect then. And I'm really pleased that you're sharing your story today, which is a powerful one, especially for our international listeners. So let's go ahead and get started. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your career progression. That's a great question, Lauren. Actually, it's so perfect timing. You can see my background. It's Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month celebration. That's one of the things our company, St. Michelle Wine Estates, is doing to celebrate the May Heritage Month. And it's just a perfectly fit for my background as well. So I was born and raised up in China. And I went to college in Beijing for my college education. And then I worked in Beijing in HR capacity professionally for a few years. Then I decided to come to United States to pursue my master's degree. And after that, uh, that was almost 20 years ago. And after that, I basically stayed in the United States, basically working through or working in the HR space. I had multiple different roles uh, in HR, including some center of excellence roles, a shared service roles, and HR business partner roles. And worked across multiple different industries, and some names are very well recognized, like Anheuser Busch, uh, Laura mentioned, the Hershey Company, and some highly engineered um, engineering product company building products. And today, I'm in a wonderful and very fun wine industry. So uh, right now, I'm holding uh, the role of CHRO role with Saint Michel Wine Estates, and we're located in Woodenville, Washington. Wonderful. What I love about what you just shared about is how you have had a really broad career in HR. And so you have touched almost every different aspect of the HR space. Was it your goal to get to the C-suite and be a chief human resources officer? I really appreciate this question. Uh, the, the honest answer is no. Uh, when I first started my career, I was a very confident, I guess, professional individual while I was working in Beijing, right? And I uh, had a very nice career progression during that first few years of my professional career. But after I started my professional career in the United States, um, I think the language and culture challenge uh, was very big for me. So I constantly need to work on like my community communication skills. And the feedback I got from my manager is, Melody, you need to improve on your communication skills. It's very confusing. I'm like, what is wrong with my communication skill? What does that mean? So I never thought I'm cut for like a senior executive position because we all know as a people leader, as a team leader, communication skill is very critical. So that's a challenge I have gone through. I think only until after probably about six years Also, like six years ago, I started realizing, oh, head of HR role for me probably is not that far reaching. But at the beginning of my career, I never really had a confidence or 
aspiration to progress to the role I'm having right now. Uh, although I always have a career aspiration for myself, but never thought I could basically progress this far. That's a great story where you were able to demonstrate that even despite challenges in confidence, maybe some negative feedback you got along the way from some managers, you were able to still find ways to progress in your career. And so a lot of us might not necessarily know in our 20s or 30s exactly what we want to do or what our ultimate aspirations are, but you just kept on pursuing the next next level, the next level, what can I do to get to the next level? And then all of a sudden you said, well, you know what, at this point, I think the top is in view. So let me go for that. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, that's a very fair statement. I think the the confidence is built little by little and sort of validated through the way. And until I reach a point saying, hey, I probably can do that. I can generate value at that level. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked a little bit about some of that feedback and the communication, uh, the feedback about communication that you received. So what unique challenges have you experienced because of your international background and how did you overcome that? I, I very much appreciate that question. Uh, if that's okay, I'm going to use a very specific example. I thought the example is always very relatable, but this, yep. might, this, might, this might be a, a little bit extreme example, but I, I will get to my point, I promise. So why I remember once why I went back to school to do a campus recruiting. So I was interviewing American graduate student for a full-time, for actually internship position, but highly likely to turn into a full-time position. This girl, this American student, she she is very confident and very articulate, great resume, great background. And we had a very engaging conversation. And I noticed on her resume, she mentioned something on the language skill. She had a conversational Mandarin Chinese language skill. So that just piqued my interest because uh, around that time I was working for a global company. And you know, Asia Pacific is considered as their most important market, and China being the most critical emerging market for the company. So having potential American colleague who actually can speak Mandarin Chinese is very valuable for the business, right? For the organization. So I basically asked, start asking questions. And I literally said, well, wonderful. Maybe by the end of the interview, I can start chatting with you probably in Mandarin Chinese. I just want to know your language skill and also your experience, experience there. And this is the, you just cannot believe what's happened right in front of my eye. It's literally like this girl, this student, she had that like a sort of, uh, this may not be a very native American uh, or English way to describe it, but you can see her personality or confidence level sort of like changed from a booming sunflower, right? To into someone you don't even recognize, like extremely awkward, very unconfident, and almost like very uneasy in front of your eyes. So that's an extreme example because the reason why she changed because she probably and she explained to me she's she can only speak very little. She said it's out of touch. She has not practiced, so she's not confident at all of using that language to communicate whatsoever, and she didn't expect also. I will pick that up and start asking that question. So I think uh, this is extreme example. Uh, what I want to share the point here being the language and the culture proficiency or familiarity do have a huge impact on a person's perceived personality, character, or confidence level. 
And uh, in business world or in our life, for people who are not familiar with cross-cultural background, right, don't understand our left brain and the right brain constantly talking to each other, try to make the speech or conversation going. In real world, it's often the lack of language or culture proficiency or familiarity often get translated into lack of capability, which is yeah. not Right. Yeah, people, it's a great point to call out that those yeah. things are not the same. Not the same. But of course, Lauren, for you and me to have a productive conversation, my English need to be at a certain level, right? But again, my but once you get through that, get over that threshold, I do not need to speak like a, a news anchor at NBC or something, right? To be able to have a productive conversation with you. As long as I can get my communication, my points across to you, and we can have we can bounce with each other, have a conversation and progress a conversation to the direction where we want the conversation to go. It is effective communication. But a lot of time it got translated saying you don't communicate well because that's not our native language. So you don't have proper communication skills. So uh, it, it, it's definitely a challenge in my early career. I got that feedback all the time. And I would start asking myself, like, what exactly is that? And the, to the bottom, what I found out is because the way I speak and also my accent or the unfamiliarity with English slang word or idioms, like when some people are talking, I'm like stuck. I'm like trying to figure out what that means. Or when I'm talking, I'm stuck in the middle and try to translate the words. I like uh, literally look up in my mental or brain dictionary trying to figure out what's the right English word for that Chinese word so I can speak up. And it appeared to be, I don't know what I'm talking or I'm not confident, you know, all that. So my learning from that is you really need to know what exactly that is, right? Like after I found out it's accent or it's my English vocabulary, I have a way to improve that. So I'm getting better and better. And I, I keep telling myself, maybe in my lifetime, I will never get to a place I can speak like a, a native English speaker, but that's okay. But that's no longer considered a barrier for my career, for my professional life. And I, right. I, so the reality is you were able to hone in that the problem wasn't communication skills, it was English skills. And so exactly. once you were able to work on developing your English skills to a certain level, then you were able to get over that communication barrier and hopefully stop hearing that feedback then. Exactly, exactly. So I, a lot of things I do, it's actually pretty fun to share here. I pick up a lot of very annoying habits because I was intentionally improving my English skills, right? So like uh, why watch a movie, I repeat after movie. Why uh, drive and listen to radio, I repeat after radio. And sometimes when I read a book and something is so beautifully put together, some sentences, I never thought I could say it that way. I read out loud. It's always very annoying, but that's my way to learn, right? To build my a dictionary or vocabulary so I can master this language or improve this language better. You know, I will never be as good as a native English speaker, but I'm getting closer and closer and it's no longer a challenge for me or it will damage or impact my confidence level. Absolutely. So what tips do you have for other people then who are not working in their native language or culture for them to be successful and maximize their potential then? A great question. I think for people who have the similar experience like mine, right, working in a non-native culture 
and uh, working also using a non-native language. I think the couple of things are very critical to do. The first thing is actually extremely uncomfortable is really to make that fact known to others. It's easy. Yeah, sometimes I call that making yeah. the covert overt. So rather than making it yeah. uncomfortable that someone yeah. can't understand you, where yeah. I think you're going with this is you'll say, hey, if you have any questions, let me know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very, actually very embarrassing to do that. Like for me personally, I was like, oh, I have to admit, like, okay, I'm not good at this language. I'm not really sure. I'm not following the conversation. It's very embarrassing. I had tears over this, trust me, in my early career. But that's a very critical step. You need to make take that initiative, basically sort of have the ownership saying, I'm not there yet, but I'm willing to share where I am and I need help. And as a leader, practicing that vulnerability will yeah. go so far also. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it takes some effort and courage to take that first step. And another thing is when you ask for feedback or when you receive feedback, always ask, really try to get to the bottom, be very specific what that means, right? Like I had comments from my previous colleagues saying, oh, Melody, you're too American or you're too Chinese. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> What's the problem, right? So when you say a very general statement like that, like what sort of change you want to see it happen with me, right? So I guess on the other side, for those people managers or leaders who have people, who have people working for them or working with them and knowing they're from a different culture, you're the different language. I think the first step is really take some ownership or initiative, try to getting closer, bridging that gap understand where they came from, what their culture norm like, right? The Asian culture, American, Western culture are so different, right? So understand why they behave that way, understand their ways of working. And really, I think it takes two parties to come to the middle ground and sort of understand each other and bridge the gap. Absolutely. So many great ideas there, whether you're international person yourself working in a, I don't know if I would say unfamiliar environment, but foreign environment, or yeah. whether you're leading people who have international backgrounds, or even if you're an expat and you're going to yeah. work and potentially lead people in their native language, or maybe you'll interact with them in English, but understanding some of these different dynamics, such great feedback. You also talked about your confidence early in your career, especially related to some of your language capabilities. So tell me how that evolved over your career. It really evolved, I would say, little by little over time. But I, I did, a, I think there's a pivotal moment uh, in my professional career I'm very happy to share as an example. I remember uh, in my early career, I was brought by my boss to a board presentation for the HR section. So my CHRO was there. There all the HR senior leadership team member were there. I was holding my big like a data bender, right? A big information bender and basically sitting in the back row of the conference room and didn't really think that, that meeting has much to do with me because my role there was just in case my boss asked any specific questions about the customer group I was supporting, I may be able to pull the data and explain. But it's a very high-level strategic, you know, board HR presentation dry run session, basically. And during that session, my CHRO actually called my name. And he said, Melody, what's your feedback? What's your view on this? So luckily, I was paying attention. So lesson learned there is always pay attention whether that meeting has any direct relevance or, or relationship with you. So I answered the question uh, with my feedback. And he thought about it. He pondered there in the meeting and saying, 
oh, that's actually pretty good. I'm going to incorporate that feedback. I'm going to make some changes. So immediately he made the changes during the meeting. And uh, that was like a pivotal aha moment for me because I never thought my CHRO will ask me directly. And uh, you know, even further, I never thought he will just uh, took my feedback, like incorporate it immediately, like make a change right there. It was uh, like just a very unbelievable moment for me. And I was a very happy, like uh, up spirit lifting person for weeks after that meeting. So the later when I reflect more and more on that, I think that the power that immediate recognition gave to me was saying, hey, you, Melody, you had some great opinion and I recognize your opinion that has tremendous value and I want to make it known to everybody. Sort of that's the underlying message. So for me, I'm like, it's so powerful. It's very motivational. So and later when I keep progressing on my career, I was like, okay, if that moment can do such a huge impact on me, I'm sure if everybody's doing the same, we can also bring that huge positive impact on others. So I think the immediate recognition also celebrate wins immediately, recognize people's value, don't hesitate to give it out. It's just so powerful and so motivational. And most of all, it's very fun and very contagious to bring the team together. Yeah, it sounds like you were able to internalize that win for yourself, and it's made a transformational shift in how you've interacted with people and shared the glory, shared the wins and the praise and the feedback. So sounds like that's a pretty significant reason why you were able to continue climbing the ladder. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do think uh, that's probably one thing I, I sure believe is you can only be as good as your people or as good as your team. So it, it cannot be you're the only superstar in your team. Everybody else don't do a very good job. But then in reality, it never happens. Right. So only if you have a very strong, as good as you team together, that actually generate a platform to, for you to continue progressing. I think you know, from HR world, it's, it's a succession planning. Basically, it's succession planning, but you have to intentionally to do it. Absolutely. Now, as a top executive in an organization, Melanie, the challenges don't go away. They're just different. So what is the biggest challenge that you still face? I think there, there, you know, very. There's still a lot of challenges overall, and also depending upon which organization I work for. But I think, generally speaking, having that inclusive and agile culture is always opportunity for not only for my current organization, but also I think for a lot of organizational business out there. The thing is, I like people to be, in certain words, like straight smart. Uh, if that's a right frame there, basically have that natural curiosity. Like when we don't know what we don't know, but at least I have that natural tendency or curiosity saying, hey, I don't know enough, but let's figure it out. Let's seek to understand, seek to learn a little bit, and eventually on the way to get to a solution. And not afraid to say, oh, this potential be a solution may not be the best solution, but this solution may get us somewhere. Let's keep trying until it's a sound solution and not afraid of losing, right, or failing. I don't like the word failing. I like more about recalibrating, right? So let's learn something from it. But to be able to, for people to be themselves and take that natural initiative of ownership, it needs to have that culture norm a platform to support them. I think that inclusivity and innovation, that type of culture will help generate more natural curiosity 
generate more natural learners. That's the capability I think is extremely important. Another thing is once you figure out a solution, then the challenge is let's make sure the solution touch the ground, meaning it will actually work. So, and also execute that with speed, right? So that's another thing. I remember from one of my mentors in my career, and he shared something with me saying, once the strategy is set, is finalized, the only visible strategy is execution. The rest, just the PowerPoint. You know, I actually echo a lot on that. I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's when the strategy is executed well, that's where you'll see the results. But again, to make sure people are comfortable to ask natural questions, not afraid of feeling or recalibrating and be able to try it out from arrow, from learnings, that inclusive culture and agile culture need to be there. I, I still think for a lot of organizations out there in the market, that's continued to be a challenging uh, challenging space. But the good thing is if it's, it's challenging, uh, that represents opportunities. That means we have a huge opportunity there to continue improve. I love the way that you have framed inclusivity and agility, not only as the way that we've talked about it, especially in the last year, which of course is, is extremely important from the diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective to make sure that everyone feels comfortable, you know, no matter where they're coming from, but how important that is also for people to feel comfortable to share their opinions, to share their ideas, to innovate, and how we know that the whole concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion is so critical as a business issue. Like it's not a women's issue. It's not a racial issue. It's a business issue. But it's especially a business issue from the standpoint of it gives people the freedom to innovate and share their ideas and push yeah. things forward. Yeah, it's a, exactly. it's a great framework for it. So as we wrap up, I want to get your opinion on one topic right now, because the job market is very frothy at the moment, lots of activity, and you're currently in a role where you're intimately involved in hiring of other top executives and leaders. So what advice do you have for people who are pursuing those top jobs? I really appreciate this question, but I will say there are just so many wonderful advice out there in the market, on internet, there's a lot of resources, right? Podcasts, books, readings. So I think there's a resource that people can definitely explore based on their individual situ situation of where they are. But from my personal experience, just my two cents there, I am thinking a couple of things, in my opinion, might be helpful. The first thing is, I think, is what I want to encourage all the emerging leaders uh, people are pursuing, actively pursuing their career goals is uh, probably don't overthink or over-engineer that. I know there's a lot of successful people out there. They probably know, like 20 years ago, they know exactly where they would be 20 years after, right? And they have been successfully managed their, managing their career and get to where they want to be or they should be. That's not my story, right? So your career may go left and right, up and down, it's zigzag. But when opportunity finds you, or when you find the opportunity, there may be a pre-qualification process or something already happened in between. It's just naturally happened. A lot of people feel like super uncomfortable with new opportunities. They're not so sure or confident about whether they can be successful with a new opportunity. I think especially for international employees not working in their own familiar culture or using their familiar language, a lot of time they challenge themselves. Like I challenge myself multiple times when their opportunity finds 
finds me, I'm like, can I do it? I'm not so sure. I'm not that confident. I guess my sharing here is don't overthink about it. Since the pre-qualification process already happened naturally in the process, you know, when you and opportunity meet each other, just grab the opportunity and we'll figure out what to do with that later. And you also, I, I heard someone say once that it's your job to figure out if you're interested in an opportunity. It's their job to find out if you're qualified. So exactly. you don't yeah. have to make the decision about whether you're qualified or not. That's something that the hiring side will do. Yeah, you just need to have that leap of faith about yourself saying, hey, there's a reason why I'm selected or I have I have the opportunity to meet with this opportunity or chance to meet with this opportunity. Grab it and you'll figure out what to do with that and you will do well and you will learn from it. Even if, let's say, you recalibrate it from, from the process, you have some key learnings will help you do better. So I guess the first one is don't overthink, over-engineer it. Just go for it, right? And build your confidence later on and be comfortable with uncomfortable situation. I love that. And a second one I'm thinking, uh, just because of my international background, I do think this cross-culture, cross-language experience do add many, many very interesting layers to your perspectives, to your experience. It sort of opens your eyes to open yourself, to open the door to a new world you're not familiar with, right? So, you know, a lot of time you hear people saying, oh, I traveled internationally. I have done international business. A lot of times, I'm not saying everybody, a lot of time people travel for international business. They fly like first class or so premium class. They stay in a luxury hotel. They work in fancy office for a few days and they talk to local colleagues who can all speak English to them or whatever the language and they finish the business. For me, it's not a real international experience. So my book, International Experience, truly is living, breathing with locals, right? Understand how they talk, uh, what they talk about, understand their culture norm, understand how they build the relations, how they talk to each other, understand how the market behaves, right? What's the actual market situation, not just a fancy number, a fancy PowerPoint deck. So that's a real international experience. Try to learn a foreign language, even though you may not be able to use it for frequently in your work or in your life, but try to learn something, try to understand their perspective. For me, that's a real cross-culture experience. So which goes back, which goes back to that curiosity exactly. and interest in learning and growing as well. It really adds a lot of agility and flexibility and different different ways of thinking, I guess, to your mental world, sort of like a, to be a second nature view. So like I know during pandemic, the, the, the travel is kind of a luxury, not to mention like even domestic travel is a luxury, not to mention international. But, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get over this pandemic zone and knock the wood. But when that is ready, you'll have your passport ready, be ready to explore the world. And the sooner or the earlier you have that cross-culture, cross-language experience in your life, I think the better off you would be, not only professionally, but also in your personal life as well. Absolutely. Well, you've given us some great words to think about and uh, reflect on, not only from the professional perspective, but also from the personal growth as well. So Melody, thank you so much for this incredible conversation about learning, growth, being willing to be vulnerable, and just really wonderful to hear your career journey. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me. It's such a wonderful talk here, and I wish you great success with this program. And I'm definitely a loyal follower of your live talk show every week. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Keep in touch. Bye. Thank you for listening to Take Control of Your Career with Lauren Herring. Be certain to check the show notes for our guests' information. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show so that you don't miss an episode. Want to get control of your career now? Visit www.earnyourworthcareers.com. You can get your own career coach or download a chapter from Lauren's book for free. 